Welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, O'Shawn. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to author Bill Doyle about his latest book, the fifth, his latest book in the Fifth Hero book series, Escape Plastic Island. Bill was an absolute and utter delight, and I cannot wait for you to listen to my episode with Bill. I need to let you know a little bit about Bill. With over 2 million books in print, author Bill Doyle has written critically acclaimed and best-selling children's books, including Scholastic's Behind Enemy Lines series and Scream Team series, Chronicle Books' Worst Case Scenario Ultimate Adventure Everest, Little Brown's six-book Crime Through Time series, and Random House's Magic for Hire series, with titles including Attack of the Shark-Headed Zombie and Invasion of the Junkyard Hog. Bill is co-founder of Crab Hill Press, a developer of children's interactive storybooks, including the top-ranked Nash Smasher, named one of the 10 best children's books for iPad by the New York Times and recipient of a Kirkus Reviews star. Bill's second Crab Hill Press app, My Dad Drives a Roller Coaster Car, topped USA Today's list of best kids' travel apps. Additionally, Bill has served as editor of Kid City, a.k.a. Electric Company, at Sesame Workshop, and as an editor at Time for Kids and for SI Kids. Sports Illustrated Kids is something that I read a lot of when I was a kid, so thank you so much, Bill. He's produced and edited for LeapFrog and has written for Weekly Reader, Rolling Stone, Comedy Central, and National Geographic Kids. Bill, I have lost the amount of words to describe how multi-talented this individual is, and a list of all of his accomplishments. I am incredibly fascinated by everything that he has done. And I also want to let you know about the book that we're talking about today, Escape from Plastic Island, one of the next books in the Fifth Hero series. Four kids, one Earth, and you are the hero they need. The Calamity Corporation is determined to destroy Earth. The company's latest plot leaves ugly animals in the cold, literally. Any less-than-cute critter will be frozen and blasted into space. Luckily, these climate heroes have the skills to save the day. Jarrett can talk to animals, even if they don't always listen. Malik masters water, but plastic pollution is clogging his style. Freya, Freya's wind blows everyone away, sometimes too powerfully. Agnes can dig up dirt and soil any, any evil plan, and you are the fifth hero. Make three decisions in the adventure to help the heroes put the Calamity Corporation on ice. Choose incorrectly and it's game over, but choose wisely and you might save the planet and the story. I'm serious. This book, you need to get it for yourself and for your kids and you need to listen to the conversation with Bill. You're not going to be disappointed. I know, I know, I keep talking, I keep talking. You're like, Joe, get to the story. But before we do, last piece of business I have to let you know. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves. And Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.selfunbound.com. Now, my conversation with Bill Doyle is right up after this. 
Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, author extraordinaire. I'm excited to talk to him on the show today, Mr. Bill Doyle. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I'm excited to talk to you about a variety of things, one of which, the main thing, is your book, The Fifth Hero, Escape Plastic Island. And part of the reason I'm excited, and we'll get into this in a little bit, is I was raised on a healthy diet of choose-your-own-adventure books and Captain Planet. So I kind of feel like you've got a merging of both of those ideas in in this book. And so we'll dig into those details later. But even before that, you know, we're talking about escaping situations. And I was joking um, before we started recording that um, uh, in my household, we had, uh, when we're recording this in January of 2023, people might be listening to this in December 2031. I don't know, right? 2131. Who knows? There we go. Yeah. Who knows, right? right. It's in right. The, the archives. The aliens have discovered this at this point. But uh, my kids, we had an unanticipated snow day and their schools were canceled last minute. I was back to back at my day job and I opened the door and it was like, uh, Lord of the flies. I left my kids their own devices for most of the day. And it's incredible. Um, I gave them a list. Was there a conch of- shell involved? Did somebody <laughs> grab one? They were. They they, were. I have a conch. I, 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 I will be speaking now. Listen to me. I walked out yes. and one of them was standing on the ottoman waving a, a I think it was a teddy bear over their head. As if sure it, it wasn't was. a shell. You sure it wasn't a shell. I am sure because yeah. they threw yeah. it down okay. and it did not break. So we're all okay. 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 But it, it's amazing to me. I think. And honestly, I think us adults are are also guilty of this too, where it's like you have a list, you have a set of things to do, um, and then your your real responsibilities, in this case school, um, get canceled for the day, and you go, you know what? Forget society's rules. I'm out. (laughs) Pure chaos. Right. I mean, are, are, is that door locked behind you? Or yes, are you, it is. Are you, is it well, safe to go out? Right. I, mean, like... I have barricaded myself in the room. No. <laughs> Um, so there's plenty of pizza to keep them happy out there and all yes, that good stuff. Yes, exactly. Okay. I just kind of shove a twenty under the under the door for them to, <laughs> to order delivery. No, I joke around about this, but one of the things that I think is is fascinating when we talk about responsibilities, right? When we talk about responsibilities of uh, uh, ourselves as good citizens of the planet, and so when we talk about trying to create a world in which we want our kids to grow up in, right? We want the the utter chaos. I'm using air quotes here of a snow day um, to be a funny story and a funny anecdote, as opposed to creating a world in which we've created all kinds of chaos because we it's not safe to go outside or it's not safe to to breathe in the air, right? Uh, because of a lot of climate change and a lot of things that we've done to pollute the society of which gets covered in in the book, Escape Plastic Island. So yeah. before we even yeah. d- totally pull the segue in, I do want to pause <laughs> and uh, invite folks that may not have listened to the show before. Here at the Detox Podcast, we do invite people to quote unquote detox from the world around them and get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I do like to ask my guests right at the top of the show, and Bill, I'll ask you this question. What are you currently detoxing from? Oh, my goodness. You know, I don't know if everybody else is like this, but I am a little embarrassed to have discovered my, um, my, my, uh, ugh, I, I, it's just kind of hard to admit. Over the holidays, I did discover that I, there were a few more wine empty bottles than I think is healthy. Mm. And you know what I mean? Even like, even like, you know, I'd find a couple here and there just sitting there and I thought, did I drink that? And I did during one week and that's not like me. Right. So, you know, I found myself um, having to really actually 
I know you're not talking about actually physically detoxing, but I, then it led me to think like, what am I actually trying to toxify or bury mm. under all this wine? And I think that's truly what I need to detox from. And it was just, honestly, it's, it's, I don't know. Do you ever hit this? Do you ever hit the point where you are just your day kind of gets away from you and then suddenly it's away from you so much that you're not being as creative as you would like to be. Mm. I think what's happening to me is I, I hit a weird pattern over the holidays, not writing. And I think what happens is this weird kind of steam builds up in your head if you're not being creative. Yes. And I think that is one of the main things that I love about writing every day. It's like a steam valve that you release the inner stress and all this stuff comes out. And what was happening over the holidays is, you know, your schedule gets mixed up and messed up. And so I wasn't able to write every day. And I, so I think I was searching for other ways to relieve that inner stress. And I think it might have come through wine or whatever. Um, and it's just a good thing for me to recognize. I need to get back to writing every day. Uh, I, I love running. And I think that really helps me detox too from all this kind of stuff. But running and writing are the two big things that really help me that kind of pressure and stress of life. I appreciate yeah. you sharing that. I can relate in so many ways. And I noticed for me, it was right around kind of the midway point of 2020. So not quite early right. days of pandemic, but pretty, pretty early on. And I found it was a situation where there was quite a bit more, I would say, empty alcohol containers than I yeah. realized. And it was definitely at the time, right? It was a, I, there's no sense of order. The world is upended. I don't know. Right. This is the one thing I can control, right, in this situation. Right. And it and it got to a point where I had to stop and go, "Ooh, let's let's dial that back a bit." But on the right. other on the other end of that, I find for me you talk about writing and and creating in that in that standpoint, when I'm creating these types of shows, whether it's doing interviews or, or working on a different show I do and putting these pieces together, that's my way of of releasing. And and I find no matter how tired I may feel or how tired my voice may get or, or one thing or the other, whenever like Bill, we're going to be done and I'm going to hit end and I'm going to feel completely filled up and ready right. to take on the world. And it is like a release. And I find that when like you're like you were saying over the holidays schedule gets mixed up, if I don't get that, then I just feel very on edge and, mm -hmm. and I need to figure things out also. You're talking about running. Uh, my wife recently got a rowing machine, and rowing has not been something that I was ever really into at the gym. And I started using it. I got to say, it's this like weird, insane, like a wonderful release for me that I just, I, I, I usually would work out in the morning. And this is just me sort of like talking in, in real time sure. about something. I found that at the end of a long, hard day of work, just going and just like, you know, pounding those reps out. Yep. Instant release. Yep. So yeah, I hear you. Have you started calling it erging yet? I've got two friends from high school that are so into it now that they're calling it erging. I don't know if that's an actual term for rowing or if that's, anyway, but they're so into it as well. So, and I have to say, it's kind of a, an amazing thing because you can do that in the space of your, of your own apartment mm -hmm. or wherever. And you know, it's not like you have to get out and run around like in this freezing cold temperatures um, if you're a runner. Right. So I, I, I kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of kind of try to embrace that. Um, I like that. But it's fun. 
No, I've not called. I've not started calling it that yet. I'm, I'm still new days, but you know, next time we record and we've got another book release, it's it's likely yeah. I'll be over here, right, with with biceps out <laughs> to my ears, right. So, I am getting on the Ergen machine. Like, I don't know why I decided to throw an accent on. <laughs> they have a rowing class at the gym that I go to here in New York City. And it's called rowing and ropes and rowers, where you do battle ropes and then you do rowing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. time you against people. And the reason I can't row anymore is that I make everything a competition sure. somehow. And I have to win yoga. I have to win Pilates. I have to win <laughs> rowing. And if I don't win it, I get really like a heart attack. And I think that's, I think yoga was invented for people like me. Right, right. I just have to, I, I mean, but I can't, it's invented for me, but ironically, I can't embrace it. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just the thing I probably need and I have to win it. But I find that I can't row anymore because I always have to beat myself at my last time and I'm mm. going to give myself a heart attack. But it's, it's, yeah, anyway, I admire it. I appreciate uh, the healthy <laughs> competitive aspect. I I am not the most fun person uh, for my kids to play a board game with. Um, oh. I, I do my best to like give them an advantage, and I'm like, but I I, I got to win at Monopoly. I need boardwalk. But anyways, right, right, right. you have a reputation of right, that. Exactly. You must be the winner of Monopoly, for God's sake. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, I think the good thing is that we've learned um, ways in which to release these steam buildups, yes. right? As you were saying, yes. to be able to detox in the moment and then uh, move forward. Um, speaking of moving yes. forward and speaking of writing, we've got the fifth hero, Escape Plastic Island, your your most recent release, and you've got quite a few books. But I want I want to talk to you first of all about. Um, a little bit of your background as to what drew you to writing in the first place and that or brought mm -hmm. you to writing. And then I want to work our way up to how you made the decision to create these, uh, the fifth hero book series and the mm -hmm. escape these book series. And then also this particular escape plastic Island book in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I gotta be, uh, honestly, I have always, always, always wanted to be a writer and my first toy actually when i was a kid way back when a lot of listeners might not even have ever had one of these but i had a, a toy plastic typewriter oh wow and i would sit there and plunk out things because my, i come from a family of readers and i would look at my family like flipping through pages of books and you know they're giving all their attention to it and i could hear them gasping at things mm. and i thought to myself i want to be able to do that with my family i want to be able to get some attention because i'm a bit of a ham too and i wanted attention and so i uh started like punking out things on this little typewriter and then uh, you know i wrote my first like scary book when i was uh eight and then i started writing scary plays and i really wanted to write more theatrical things but then i really got into journalism as well anything with words mm -hmm. i get really excited about which is odd because in order to be a writer I'm a very social person. I enjoy being with friends. I going to parties, like doing all the fun stuff. Um, but in order to be a writer, you have to sit down alone in a room and be quiet <laughs> and write. And that to me is such a, a, a moment of meditation that it takes mm -hmm. to keep your butt in that chair. Um, and so for me, it was always a challenge that I kind of enjoyed. Like I can do this. Like it's a, once again, it comes to the competitive uh, nature of, of who I am. I even just wanted to kind of beat myself with the amount of words that I could write and how long I could sit in that chair and get that, that story out. And so I always wanted to be a writer. So I would do the head of newspapers and yearbooks and 
all that kind of stuff. And I ended up going to, for grad school, I went to NYU in their uh, dramatic writing program for grad school. And there were like 19 of us in the program. And I was a teaching assistant and um, there, and I was always teaching like kids who were basically my age about theater in order to pay my way through. And so I signed up late to this class because I was busy. And it said, it's a playwriting class. There's um, nine of us had signed up late and it said it's gonna be taught by staff. And I thought, oh no, it's gonna be somebody like me, a TA. And the head of the program comes in and she says, well, I'm gonna introduce you to your playwriting professor. This class is now closed. It's Arthur Miller. And so Arthur Miller walks into the room and he is our playwriting. <laughs> so he's gonna be there teaching me playwriting. And you know, what, all of 22 or 23 at this point. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it was insane. And all I kept thinking was, um, this man was married to Marilyn Monroe. Right. Remember all those papers you would write about Biff and yeah. Happy and Death of a Salesman? Yes. Guess what? No more papers. You could just ask him, what were they thinking? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was crazy. <laughs> and so he's, you know, reading our plays. and No pressure, right? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> and, and so... But it was very interesting. There was one point, and I'll wrap this part up, but he was, um, he would read our plays and then he'd give them back to us. He'd be like, I'm Arthur Miller. I'm having a tough time getting my plays up on Off-Broadway. This is the mid-90s. Mm -hmm. And what makes you think you people will ever, ever be able to get your plays done? And all I heard was, Arthur Miller's talking to me. I know, he could be saying the meanest things to me. And I was like, oh, it's Arthur Miller. <laughs> um, but, so, but to your point, no pressure. We, then we had like David Mamet and John Ware and all these amazing playwrights. Um, I know you're a theater fan. Yes. So, um, My undergrad so, degree is in theater. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I know that. And I know you're a big Rent fan and all that yep. stuff. But it's just like, um, so it, it just, it, so maybe you'll get this. It's just like, imagine like, oh gosh, it's just these amazing heroes of mine. And I'm 22 or 23, I haven't found my voice yet. And you, there was too much. It was too, I, I ended up trying to write like they did in, oh, in their sure. voice. Yeah, and yeah. I hadn't had a chance to find my own voice yet. So I ended up like, while I was there, I ended up writing a kid's book on the side just for fun. And that's when I realized that I could kind of write for kids. And I ended up taking a job at Sesame Street. I, you know, you stop me anytime. I could go on. Uh, oh, we'll get this up to. We'll get, yeah, I'll get. We'll get through this part. But um, so uh, I, I needed to make some money right after school, and I was, you know, writing plays, and so I definitely needed to make money from a real, real job. And I showed up from a New York Times um, Help Wanted ad, and it said, "Here, you know, come be editor of this magazine." And I thought, you know what? I'd been writing a little bit for like Rolling Stone or whatever, these different things, trying to make some money. And so I thought I can do a magazine. And I show up and it didn't say where it was in the Help Wanted ad. It was Sesame Street. That's crazy. And it was, uh, it ended up being, I don't know if you remember the show called Electric Company. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, with like Morgan, Morgan Freeman yeah, and yeah, Rita yeah. Moreno were in it. And it was like, hey, you guys. And anyway, this was the magazine based on that. And they changed the name for some reason to Kid City. Anyway, I showed up for the interview. Oddly enough, at 25 or whatever, I got the job to be editor of this magazine. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I'm a really amazing actor. I, I don't know anything about writing for kids. Mm. Um, they are going to be. And then I also I thought to myself, I'm way too important to write for children. Mm -hmm. My voice is 
you know, extraordinary and it must be heard by all adults at all times. And right. I wanted to write scary horror plays and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm way too important for this. It hooked me so fast. Almost immediately, I realized I was in the totally right market for what I want to do and the way I want to write. Mm -hmm. And there's something about writing for kids that is just, oh, it just, it's so wonderful because the age groups I write for are not yet jaded. To them, the world is still wonderful and beautiful and things are new and it's a great sense of humor. And I mean, the one thing I did learn right away those first two weeks was never, ever talk down to a kid. Mm. And no matter what you're, what, however you want to write, whatever you're writing, I could give anybody one tip for writing for kids, just never talk down to them. Just treat them with respect. Treat them like the intelligent readers that they are or want to be uh, in reading. And you, that will take you very, very far. Um, and I stayed at Sesame Street for two years and then I went on my own and then started writing uh, my own books and all that. But, That's yeah. incredible. I like, I like how you talked about, there's, there's a couple things that, that I picked up on that I think it will carry us into talking about the fifth hero. Number one, you talked about <clears throat> sort of this idea of, I think, and I, th I think we're all guilty of this in, in one or one way or another is this idea of I am too important to be in mm -hmm. anything other than a room, like a, whether it's a book room, right, or a virtual room or whatever, full of adult voices and adult minds, because those are mm -hmm. obviously the most sophisticated because they're the oldest, been around, the, whatever, load of crap. Right. As we all know, right. like, I mean, I don't know. How many times do we reflect on or reread those sort of um, monumental books that we consumed when we were in this middle grade, right, phase of life or, or maybe quite like a little bit older, right? I mean, it's just the, the, the lessons that we learn and the stories that are told, the grand sweeping epic journeys that you go on, that's what mm -hmm. matters more. And that's what you remember, not, not discrediting these novels, but to say there's something so pure, right, about the way in which it can pierce into an individual and stay with you forever. Or, I mean, there's a reason that your Lord of the Flies uh, reference that you made at the top of this hit so hard. I mean, right. it's because it's it's one of those books. And I have to be honest with you. It's like one of my philosophies about writing for kids is I have this whole thing that, and I, I'm going to say this, but you have to then let me explain it really quickly. It's I have a philosophy of scare the kids, but scare them in a very safe way within the confines right. of the safe space within this book. But I think it is very important to generate this sense of suspense and even a little bit of fear in a way that is safe, always with a little douse here and there of, of humor and making sure that everything is going to be okay in the end. But if you want to, if you want to keep a reader interest, you have to have these stakes that are super important. And in order to have these stakes that are super important, it has to be something that is almost critical to this child, this world. So you have to, you know, um, the stakes have to be high is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, because you go look at all the fairy tales that, in the grim fairy tales and all that, the, the fear and those and the scariness of those. Um, so I take that and then I take that lesson uh, and then I kind of, I, I douse it as I was just saying with a, a bunch of humor, a lot of action, um, uh, you know, strong characters, and all that but i gotta say within that there's always this little thread of suspense that i really enjoy um 
it's super important to me yeah. and already. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I forget who I've had on the show that talked about it, but it was somebody who also writes middle grade fiction and they talked about how this audience is your harshest critic because you have like mm -hmm. seconds, right, to grab their attention. And if you mm -hmm. don't, they'll just, all right, what's the next book? Like, they don't care. They're not going to be like, well, let me let me see if it if it grows, right? Let it sit for a minute. Like, no, they're just like, this is boring. This is boring. This is great. I'm going to read this. Can I tell you, one of the things I did for that very reason was, uh, I, I, we'll get to the Fifth Hero series in a second, but with my Escape These books, mm. I was that was such a reaction to what you just said. Those books, you actually destroy them to get out of them. It, 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 you like one of the first ones is the Titanic. It was like escape this book, Titanic. You could be a passenger, a crew member, or a stowaway. And determining what you drew on some pages, you'd flip over this corner and it would say, if you do this, go here. If you do that, go there. You'd rip open the page to get to the next hatch to escape. You would push your way into a lifeboat. You would, um, could be all these different things. And a lot of different pathways led to uh, less than wonderful situations <laughs> um but but to your point it's like these kids they have so much there's so much wonderful content out yeah. there there's so many other alternatives that they could be involving themselves with so you don't first of all you don't want to waste their time either right. with something that's not going to be entertaining to them when there's so much good stuff out there right so with escape this book i really wanted to take all that fun stuff that they see on the screen and i wanted to bring it back or not bring it back but put it on a printed page yeah. like all the fun interactivity that it can do on the screen and you know make it into a book I like it. so yeah i hear you on it yeah well talking about the fifth hero escape plastic island talk to me about yeah. this particular book series and then also the decision to have um sort of the the climate element within escape plastic island okay so i'm also now so for like 20 years, I was just doing my books. I've written, you know, like 40 books and been busy with that. And then recently I became editor of, well, not recently, like four years ago now. I be, I went back to the magazine world while I'm doing my books, but I'm um, editor of this magazine called Scholastic News mm. at Scholastic. And so I started getting involved with news stories and people were reaching out to me, teachers letting me know what stories are really important to kids these days and what stories they really found were important. And what kept popping up was the climate and the environment. And here's the thing, I did not wanna be jumping on this bandwagon of um, hitting or fear and scaring kids. And I didn't also wanna be preachy mm. about what people should be doing in order to save the world, which we should all be doing, right. but you don't, it, 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 it's, I found it to be a challenge and to me that's what really drew me to the subject of of, of the climate um because i i once again my competitive nature was like you know i'm gonna find a way i think that will let me write a book that will be interesting to kids but will be about how small decisions they can make every day can actually really almost save the planet if we all make enough of those small decisions out there so the four heroes who are there, the reader is the fifth hero. So when you're reading the book, you are the fifth hero. But there's four heroes within the book, and they are the most unqualified climate heroes that were ever created. I mean, one, and you know, they end up with these, these spheres in the palms of their hands called the four ponies. 
and they give them the power of, of, of you know, to speak with the animals, one controls the water, one controls the air, one controls the earth. Now this kid that is able to talk to animals is scared to death of animals. Um, the, 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 you know, the girl that, uh, you know, the, the guy that's the kid that's in charge of the water can't swim. It's just a mess. You know what I mean? So you get the idea. So these are the, these are the kids that are going to help save the planet. And yet they are the most unqualified to do so. So I, I, I really wanted the readers to be learning along with these kids about what it will take to save the planet. So I had a lot of fun with that actually. And it's good action packed, yeah. lots of fun, you know? it's interesting to me as well i think it's really good timing that a book like this comes out when i i feel like and maybe this is just me willing it into existence and maybe it it, there's no actual proof for this but the idea of sort of a a mini resurgence in the sort of choose your own adventure ideas (sighs) right you know, I mean, like, I feel like I've seen some books being dusted off and then um, Black Mirror had Bandersnatch on Netflix. That was uh, tons of fun to right. dive into. Right. Right. And then you have uh, Escape Plastic Island. You got the Fifth Hero books. And so it was funny. I, I showed the book to my daughter and she's like, I was like, this is like a choose your own adventure book. And she looked at me with a blank face and went, what? And I went, oh, oh no, I have to do some oh, education. No. Hold on. So I rolled out the idea and she's like, wait, but don't you just read it? like cover to cover and I was like no 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 look and I like flipped and I'm like see if you choose this you go to this page if you don't you do that and she's like what and I you know like flipped over to like another part and said the end she's like but it says the end but it's in like the middle of the book I'm like right but it's not it's not actually the middle of the book like you're jumping around and she's like like I felt like I blew her mind right she's just like what 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 is it like this is incredible so I'm excited because I just the I remember being in the library and pulling out a choose your own adventure book and sitting down in the aisle and reading it and then just like pulling like the rest of them into like my basket to go check out because it was incredible. So what? So I say all of that as additional context to say I was already a huge fan of this, and I'm more of a fan after having read it. And I want to know what was your sort of decision in decide decision in deciding your your motivation for deciding uh-huh. to make it into that type of a of a story as opposed to maybe a um, a quote unquote more traditional story. You know, one of the things that I find that I really want to do is you see this 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 waning interest I feel, I worry about in books with kids. So anytime that I can find a way to try to get readers excited about books again, I'm going to take it. And one of the things I love about the choose your own adventure genre is okay. So normally decisions made in books are the power reserved by the writer, the author. The author has that superpower of deciding what is going to happen to these characters in the book. With Choose an Adventure, kind of offering that gift of that superpower to the reader, and they get to decide what's going to happen to the characters. They get to be part of the narrative, and they get to really determine how the book will end up. And I think that sense of empowerment, Hmm. handing that over to readers, is something that's so fun and it's one of the reasons that i think you love sitting down with this like you can determine what's going to happen in this amazing way um and also you can you can also play the bad guy you can make the wrong decisions on purpose sometimes or you can make the right ones and all the time or whatever but it just there's something wonderfully empowering about that that i I can give to readers and I, i find it really satisfying especially when i see them get really excited about these books or I'll see um, the fifth hero really worn out 
yeah, and to yeah. me that's so wonderfully exciting because you can tell they've been flipping all over and trying out the different endings and yeah it's really it's, it's a fun it's a fun it's oh god i did these the first ones that i did were called the worst case scenario remember those books worst case scenario like how to get out of like you know a car that's sinking oh, in the lake yeah, or, yeah, do you yeah, remember yeah, those yeah. yes i do so so they wanted to start this is with the Chronicle, the publisher Chronicle, and they wanted to start a kids book series called Worst Case Scenario, um, like, you know, uh, Ultimate Adventure Everest. So I did this, uh, that was my first time I did a, a Choose Your Own Adventure, and it was about getting kids up to the top of Everest and getting them down with a party of 20. And you had to make 45 right decisions in order to get your entire party up and your party down. And I would talk, uh, while I was writing it, I got to speak with this, climber that was actually leading a group up Everest while I was writing the book so here in New York City I'm sitting there I'm like oh no I'm out of mayonnaise and then I've talked to him and he's like oh my god there's a blizzard here we're going to climb anyway and he gave me 44 different ways that I could like I, I, I don't know how else to put this but to stop the kids adventure like they fall into crevasse they get you know hypothermia they like get hit by an avalanche and every day he would give me more and more of these wonderful ways to make kids excited right. about about this process. But anyway, it's it, that's how it started for me, and I'm absolutely in love with it. Absolutely in love with it. You know, I forty five right decisions. I feel like it, that's as difficult as actually climbing Mount Everest. You know, I feel like you got to make <laughs> right. at least that many right decisions in order to make it all the way up and all the way back. Um, I right. would uh, definitely, if not catch hypothermia, I'd just fall. I'd just fall <laughs> and fall and fall. No, but one, one thing that I was thinking about this earlier as I was, I was, I was, as I was doing final prep for our discussion, Bill, and I was thinking about why do I, well, I think I have such a positive association with Choose Your Own Adventures for, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that's really helpful. And one, I think that's maybe more, um, near and dear to my heart. So um, I was a kid who felt like um, the, si the situation in which I grew up in, um, there wasn't, and I don't mean this in necessarily a negative way, but I did feel like there was a lot of times where I was not always in control of my situation in any given day, right? And so one of the things that I, in retros like retrospectively looking at it, I really was drawn to the, abil the ability to be like, okay, this I can control, right? I mean, we even talked about at the beginning, what are you detoxing from, yeah. right? turned to yep. the abundance of alcohol in the sense that that was the only thing yep. I could control. And I, I know this about myself. And so I think that that was one reason why I was drawn to it. The other reason um, that I'm looking back, I think it was definitely fun, but I would say, so not what drew me to it rather, but what I think skills that it taught me. I find myself, uh, the older I get, when I'm in situations mostly work-related, right? I'm thinking through all the scenarios and sort of playing out each path in my head. And I'm playing it out sort of in a manner of, all right, if this is the path I took, what would this adventure, right? I'm using air quotes here, look like? Mm -hmm. How would it play mm -hmm. out? And and I find it's it really sharpened my critical decision-making in a way that I didn't anticipate, except when I was like sort of evaluating it through that lens as to why do I think through things in this way? Because when I talked to some of my colleagues who are very intelligent, that's not how they're approaching the situations. Wait, so you're saying that you apply this choose your own adventure idea to your actual life? Yes. So you kind of put that, you see that through that lens of go to, you know, this. So if I do that, I go do this. And Absolutely. So, 
I, I take wow. uh, so so for me, and I'm like, uh, all right, let me lay back on the on the couch and and sort of like yeah, yeah, know, yeah, crack exactly. open my psyche at this point. Um, when I'm say it's a it's a new job opportunity, right, or maybe just a new um, uh, opportunity in general, I do think about it. I take I intentionally take time where I will write down, well, I'll capture all of the benefits of, of what it would be, right? And then I allow it to marinate in my brain for a day or two. And what I'm doing in those situations is I'm thinking about, all right, I've made this decision. Here's day one. Here's day 100. Here's five years down the road. What do I see as the sort of logical conclusions of what would happen in this path versus this path versus this path? And I go, oh I always choose the one that gives me more options. Because as, as you know from doing the Choose Your Own Adventure one, the more options you have, the more likely you are to get to a desirable outcome, right? So right. Yeah. <laughs> or at least you will continue on. Right. Exactly. The book. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, my God. I have never talked to somebody <laughs> who actually applies it to real life. I got to say, I think that is actually, I think there's something there. I mean... I think there's like an entire philosophy of life that I never really considered. I, I love that idea. Um, gosh, I I think you should teach a course on that. I was going to say, I now know. we're developing our own TED Talk sort of in real time. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, who needs TED when we've got detox? Right. There know? we go. I mean, Just take the T and the E yeah. off and there we go. Um, but I find yeah. that I'm, I'm drawn to those books and, and – uh, because they were fun, but then they re I spent so much time with them that I can't, it couldn't help but shape my thinking in this profound way where I am set up in, in, the, in that perspective. So I love that you sort of reintroduced this concept to a whole new generation of people because I do feel like when we're, when we have so much content and so much easily available, mm -hmm. our, and I'm going to say it, and I, I hope this kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. For so long, we thought through scenarios and situations and evolving work ideas in this sort of rigid box structure. We broke out of that, and then we we got kind of stuck in this. Everybody's got to be outside the box. Well, well, if they're box, well, if everybody's outside the box, and nobody's outside the box, and <laughs> right. and now I feel like we're in this new wave where people are thinking that there's sort of a blending. But it, it's all of the sort of algorithms pushing to you an echo chamber. And so I feel like in order to get out of that, you have to change your approach to thinking about your situations. And this is the perfect example. And that's how we're going to ultimately solve solutions or solve situations and get solutions to this idea of polluting the planet and not actually creating a, a better world for the next generation of people. Yeah, and that's one thing that I always try to get back to. It is the heart of the book in the end. It's just like, let's start to make the smart decisions. You know what I mean? It's just, and, and it can even be selfish in a way. The selfish, smart decision is that we want our planet. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. You can be a little selfish about wanting the planet. And it is just, it doesn't always have to be like um, this woo-woo kind of feeling like I'm, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm making this really hard decision and I'm save the world this way it's actually sometimes it's just the decision that we're not used to right you know and it's not that it's harder it's just that it's different and um it's truly not that hard a lot of these things that i these kids end up talking about in this book are real simple things that any kid could kind of put into place and make it happen um you know it's funny when you talk about that you apply this um uh, 
choosing your adventure to your own life. Have you ever heard of this major dramatic question? Do you know what this, I, I had this, this teacher named Mylon Stitt. All right, you're a Broadway fan. Right. There was this show, a play called The Runner Stumbles that won the Tony. No one's ever heard of it. He was teaching playwriting there too. And he said, every great story has to have a ma major dramatic question. Mm. And that's like with Harry Potter, like will Harry, you know, kill Voldemort? Will Lucy uh, get on Ricky's show? Right. Anytime I use that sample with kids, they're like, what the hell are you talking? What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> they don't actually swear. They do say, what the heck are you talking about? I used to use the, I, I, yeah, it tells you how long I've been doing this. I used to use the the version of Gilligan's Island when I first started doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And kids knew then, like, will they get off the island? Every show was about will they get off the island? Mm -hmm. And once that question is answered, then the story is over. Right. And you just know it's over. So you have to find a way to keep that, that question going. And it's so interesting to me that you... I really like what you were saying about you see life as a series of these choices where one leads to these ones, more of a branch and whatever. Whereas I'm, I've been looking at it lately, like this one way forward, this major dramatic question that I'm, you know, that I'm applying to my own life and I'm going to get there by just plowing straight ahead. Whereas it's so interesting to me that I'm the one writing these books and yet you're the one living these books. <laughs> And I think I really learned something from you that I have to take and really kind of step back and realize, look at my options, yeah. you know, that are out there. I think it's really interesting. Well, it's really effective. So thank you for that. Of course. Um, I, yeah. I'm just over here thinking like, this is how everybody thinks. And then I'm continually, yeah. like, you're, you are one of many people that has been like, that is not how I, most people. Right. Are exactly like you were saying about your perspective. Yeah. This is, it's a, you know, I've heard the analogy. It's a long hallway. It's, it's a marathon, yeah. not a sprint. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be a marathon. We could just be like in the middle of a forest and like, I'm gonna go this yeah. way now. And now I'm gonna go this way. Like, I don't know. We might yeah. run it sometimes, but yeah, no, I just, I don't know. It, it seems like it's more life. Uh, life gets more interesting that way. This is, is what I would yeah. say. So. Yeah, and less stressful in a certain way where you're not trying to jam these things into shape into the slot that mm -hmm. it doesn't fit. And I, I no, I think that's, that's, um, oh, I just admire that. Thank I think you. I'm going to steal some of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you heard it here on Detox. And, and so here we are. <laughs> no, but, um, I want to ask as we're, as we're wrapping up, I want to ask you yeah. um, um, two questions. So let me, let me. Yes say let me give them both to you and you can choose which order you can choose which order you want to answer them in um so okay. the first question is um what is what is something you want readers to really take away from the book after having finished it and then the other part is um you talked a little bit about advice earlier but is there some um additional advice for people who are wanting to sort of make the world a better place. Is there some advice from that person? Because you gave sort of the author's advice that you that you had. Right. Um, but some advice for sort of making the world a little bit better. Not huge grand sweeping things, but sort of just starting to do the right thing. Right, right. Well, I mean, the main thing that I really hope that kids take away from this is that they're not powerless. Mm. So when they leave my this book, I want them, to, it's like I was saying, I think it's so wonderful that it's a children's adventure because it, the, with that comes that sense of empowerment. And so I want them not only to have that within the book, but also within their lives where they realize that, you know, there's so much doom and gloom out there and it's, it's can be hard to feel like, well, what's the point? I mean, I, I guess it's too late anyway, what can I do? 
I want them to realize that no, it's not. And we can actually do things today that can make a real serious difference in their futures. And it's, it's, it's not like they have to run around and, you know, go out and develop some new form of a, I don't know, machine or anything. They can actually work with what is here right now right. and make those decisions. I mean, my main thing, uh, honestly, if I were to let kids know just one thing, if I could just say, just, I you know, and I don't want to get to one way just to make the world a better place. And I'm just going to give them just one little thing. Um, I'm just going to think of a little thing right now. Oh, when you're brushing your teeth, don't leave the faucet on while you're brushing your teeth. You Turn it off. You know, I'm just going to say one little thing while you're brushing your teeth, wet the, wet the tooth, get it in there, brush. And um, it makes me crazy at the gym. I don't know if you see this when you see guys that are shaving and the water's just yes. running, running, running. It just makes me furious. There's I don't no know need why. for it to be on. <laughs> There's no need. No. And it's such a simple thing just to reach out and do it. Um, anyway, so if there were just one little thing, let's just go with kids while you're brushing your teeth. I like it. I like it. That's it. All right. Well, Bill, we yeah. are we are going to shift to uh, the final segment of the show, a segment I like to call Things to Check Out. It is a segment where I provide a recommendation beyond your wonderful book. So I would say if you haven't already, let's pause the podcast, go by not just Escape from Plastic Island, but go to Bill's website, go anywhere, your independent bookstore, anywhere you find his books, purchase as many as you can, because this man clearly has a passion for it, not only a passion, but a talent, and you should definitely support it. So we'll wait. All right, we've waited. I know you've already gone ahead and bought all these books. So beyond Bill's wonderful books, I want to ask, um, or I, I will recommend something to read, watch, and or listen to for the listeners. And I'll invite my guests to do the same. I'll go first uh, while you maybe think of something. Um, I mentioned it before. So there's a couple things that I want to I want to call out. So um, you can't, I know there's um, uh, plenty of choose your own adventure books that are out there on, on eBay, or you can find them at half price books. So there's, there's literally tons of them everywhere. You can go pick up a couple. If you've, I would just say, if you've never read one or you haven't read one in a while, there, the, some of them may have been written for a specific time and may not necessarily uh, pass the, the, the appropriate test for today. So you can bet them before you give them to your kids. But I would just encourage you to just take a moment, enjoy it, appreciate it. One book, um, and this is the real recommendation here, um, Neil Patrick Harris's memoirs is written in a choose your own adventure style, which is incredible. And I highly recommend picking up his memoir. I picked it up on a whim and I was not disappointed. So check that out. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's Neil Patrick Harris's memoirs. Um, now that's for reading. For watching, I mentioned it earlier. Netflix's Bandersnatch. Um, I think in order to access the interactive elements, you have to do it either on your phone, a computer, or a TV, like a like a Fire Stick or something, where you can you have an interactive remote. Um, otherwise, it won't work. But de definitely check that out. And then as far as listening to, um, I don't have sort of a choose your own adventure theme going on, but I've been um, re-listening. Uh, to Harry Styles' most recent album. we I feel like I wore it out, digitally speaking, of course, uh, when it was released. Um, but now I've just been re-listening to it, Harry's House, and I can't I can't get enough of it. So that's what I'm reading, watching, and or listening to. Bill, what are some recommendations you have for the audience? All right. When, uh, all right so I, <laughs> this was my favorite first kids book ever uh, when I was growing up, and it still so fascinates me now. Um, there's a William Stieg, I think it's uh, might not be saying his name right it's s-t-e-i-g and it's called c-d-b it's the letters c-d-b and it's basically saying you have to look at the letters in order to understand what is happening in the photo so there's a kid pointing at a b 
to another kid and it's called CDB. And then you get inside and it, the entire stories are all told with single letters. Like I am sleepy. And it just like, you have to put all these different sounds together into uh, somebody that loves words and letters and mm. sounds and the way language works. It is one of the most fantastic things that you'll uh, experience. As far as watching goes, I really enjoy, I gotta say, for all mankind, have you gotten into this? Oh no, I, I, I it's on my it's on my uh, uh, to watch list, but I've not seen it yet. Okay, I did a lot. I had a series that was historical fiction where I kind of played around with some of that. It was called Crime Through Time. Uh, did it a while ago, and so I got to play around with historical, uh, you know, uh, uh, narratives and all those different things. Oh, it's so wonderful! How what within the first five minutes? This is not a spoiler. Within the first right. five or ten minutes, you realize that there's a different outcome to the space race than actually happened and that's in the first five minutes and then you see how that one major event transforms the entire future um as far as listening goes you know what i have to say i've totally been getting into um uh podcasts again and audiobooks and i have to say i'm getting kind of into any suburban like uh london contemporary um murder mystery nice. for some reason that's what i've really been into because i think it's like true escapism to me yeah, yeah, yeah and they're all kind of the same formula and i think it goes to this fact of you know the stressful holidays and all that and i just need a little escape I but like it. yeah just fun things like that yeah very cool yeah. Well, bill if people want to follow you and see what you're up to what's the best way for them to do that uh if they just go to bill doyle so it's b-i-l-l-d-o-y-l-e dot net which is confusing. So it's buildoil.net. You just Google me and I'll just show up. My website usually just shows up. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that'd be wonderful. I'd love to hear from people too. I love so it. That'd be terrific. Well, Bill, yeah. thank you for coming on. This has been a delight and I hope to have you back on for the next book and the next book and the next book. I mean, we're just, we're just going to keep, keep, keep this going because this has been a fantastic conversation. Oh, it's been fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.